when you think about it goes through the whole story of Jesus, what he did for us, how he died for us, how he gave so much for us. And I think we often, uh, we often forget it or we just take it for granted. And God doesn't want us to take things for granted. He, want, he wants us to remember what he's done. Amen? Our theme this year is being intentional. And uh, in everything we do, we have to be intentional, whether it's communion, whether it's praying for people, whether it's getting up and, and having a quiet time, uh, whether it's working, studying the Word of God. We need to be intentional in absolutely everything we do. So we're running with that theme this year. I believe it was given to us uh, by the Holy Spirit. I've, I've prayed over this quite a bit. And when you look at this, you might say, well, why, why intentional? Why not intentions? The word intentions uh, means something planned. A bit like a New Year's resolution is something that's planned, something we, we hope we can achieve. But intentional, I have to do something about it. The word intentional means it's done on purpose. Um, and so the thought with this is that my intentions may be great, but for my intentions to become a reality, I need to choose to be intentional. And like I said, in everything we do, that comes into play. Uh, we're intentional in so many different areas. What I forgot to, to mention uh, was that Henry and Veronica are now grandparents. So... We passed on our congratulations, 3rd of January. I'm not going to even try to mention the name. I did read through it and I went, I can't, can't pronounce it. Do you know off the top of your head? Cello Aurora, Santa Cruz Scott. There you go. So it's, a, it's, it's an exciting thing to see, to see families go. And so often, even in our families, we're intentional. And we have to be intentional. We have to be intentional even when training our kids, don't we? Our kids will, they'll try doing things, they'll push boundaries, they'll try and get away with not cleaning their room, they'll try and be disobedient, not always because they're intentionally trying to be rebellious, but because that's just the way life goes. They want to they grow, and as parents we have to shape our kids' lives. We have to be intentional in everything that we do. And the key scriptures here, as you can see down the bottom, Isaiah 50 verses 6 and 7, I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint and know that I will not be ashamed. And that key there, as I was preparing for the whole year, that scripture just kept going through, I have set my face like flint. I have set my face like flint. I have set, it just rolled over and over and over through my head. Jesus was determined. He knew he was going to die. He knew the death he was going to go through. He knew... Uh, how painful it was going to be. He knew how horrific it was going to be. Uh, I, I think there's, there's, there's no movie that really shows what Jesus went through for us. Uh, a, a Lego illustration is, is great for portraying the story, but we still don't get the full picture of the price that Jesus paid for us. Jesus knew what he's coming up with and he said, for God will help me, therefore I will not be disgraced. He knew what was coming up, but he said, God will be walking with me in this. And uh, the next scripture is uh, Philippians 3.12. Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of for me. Jesus has a vision for your life. He's had it since the day he created the world. He's had it since before the beginning of time. He knows the plans and purposes that he holds for you. And he wants us to catch that same vision. And Paul's saying, I'm pressing on towards the goal. I've got to achieve this. I'm looking for that for that finishing prize and, and last week I pulled up a um, now I've gone flat there it is the rope many of you may remember that that small little white spot 
is your time of life on this earth. Everything we do, we live for that little white spot. I've got to have a bigger, better house. I've got to have a better job. I've got to be happier in life. I've got to, I've got to go on another holiday. I have to make more money. Everything we do is for the reward that happens in that little white spot. But Paul is saying, I'm looking for the end of that white spot because the end of that white spot is where I graduate into eternity and that's what I'm looking towards. And when God has a plan for your life, his plan is a plan of eternity and he wants us to think eternity so that everything we do in that little white spot is focused on eternity. The prize I'm going for is eternity. The goal I'm going for is that upward call because that's the time when I really reap the benefits. If you live your whole life now for, for money, for pleasure, for, for holidays, for whatever, that's a really, really short time of blessing if you manage to achieve it because most people who strive for that are never happy. I've got to do something else. I need another project. I need another, I need another job. I've got to make some more money. I've got to find another way to do this. Everything is for the now. It's for the now. It's for the now. That little white spot of time, your little dribble of life is nothing in comparison to eternity. We've got to aim for the upward call, for that prize. And Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, I think I'm going to have to let go of this. Yep. 3.23, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Whatever you do, do it to the Lord and not to men. And in looking forward to what God wants to do through a city like this year, I believe we need to be a church that is intentional in everything. And so to start off, I've titled this message, The Secret Ingredient. I've just noticed that the font is different on here, so forgive me for that. Looks a bit messy, but The Secret Ingredient. What is, the, who's ever been to a restaurant or been to someone's house and they've cooked you a meal and goes, what did you put in that? What is that little thing? Is it a little, just a little dribble of honey? Is it cinnamon? What's the secret ingredient that makes this meal so awesome? What's the secret ingredient that makes Christians stand out from others? What's the secret ingredient in your life that makes you so special when the world looks at you? Is the secret ingredient there? Do you need more? The thing is, that secret ingredient isn't really a secret because Jesus was very plain when he said, when he revealed this uh, to us. Three and a half years of ministry, he walked and talked and taught everything he knew to the disciples to train them to become ready. When he died, he rose again. He spends 40 days with the disciples and he speaks to them over those 40 days. He He still prepares them. And the very last thing he says to them is in Luke 24. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. That was the last thing that Jesus said to the disciples. He's trained them for three and a half years. They could have said, we know it all. We've walked with you. We've talked with you. We've watched you. We know how to cast out demons. We know how to heal the sick. We've got it all together. But the very last thing Jesus said, you have to wait for the Holy Spirit. You cannot do it without the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1, 4, it says, once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. So he's reminded them, I've told you you need the Holy Spirit. Do not leave until you get it. That has to be your primary focus. And Acts 1, 8, but you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Therefore, you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So what is that power that God wants to give us? Matthew and Mark both command us to go and preach the gospel and make disciples. We're commanded to go out and do something. Jesus commanded the disciples to go out and do the same thing. But the very last thing he said to them was, I've told you to go and make disciples. I've told you to heal the sick. I've told you to raise the dead. I've told you to cast out demons. I've told you to cleanse lepers. I've told you to do everything, but don't do it without the Holy Spirit. And we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is available to us. And if you want to try and make disciples, don't you dare do it without the Holy Spirit. Because you need him. I need him. We need him. Mark also says, these signs will follow after you. You will cast out demons. You will speak with new tongues. You will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt you. You will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Why will that happen? I believe because as we demonstrate Christ to others, as they see the miraculous in our life, they have to sit up and take notice. You can't deny when you see a miracle. I've been to a doctor before and he's looked at and he goes, it has to be God. Can't explain it. Twelve months later, I went back for, for another checkup. There was something wrong with me and he said, you need to pray. He said, because it obviously works for you. That was 12 months later, a non-Christian doctor telling me to pray. Because he couldn't deny seeing the miraculous. And when people see the miraculous working in you, they go, what else can I say? It has to be God. They can't argue with that. In Acts 28, Paul was shipwrecked on the island of Malta. They're cold, they're wet, he's lighting a fire. As he grabs some wood and places the wood on the fire, a snake jumps out and bites him. And the islanders go, you probably deserve that. You're probably a murderer or a thief or a rapist or who knows what. And you're being judged. It always comes back to bite you somewhere. Paul just shakes it off. He understands who he is in Christ. He knows that he has the Holy Spirit in him. He knows that he's been empowered. He goes, this isn't the end. He shakes it off. And the Bible says that the, the islanders watched and they said when he didn't die, they changed their mind and said, well, he must be a God. They saw the miraculous and they changed their mind. When people see God at work in you and through you, they have, they have a reason to take notice. So we're not just called to go and make disciples, we're called to heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. When the, when the power of God works through us, people have to sit up and take notice. That's when you will start making disciples. That's when they want to know more about the God that's alive in you. That's why when Jesus commanded the disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit, he said, you have to wait. You have, that's what you need. You cannot move ahead without the Holy Spirit. In Acts 10.38, Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. Jesus was anointed. Well, can I just get one set of lights on? It's just a little bit dark, thanks. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit. And so if Jesus walked, talked, ministered, made disciples, did everything he did through the power of the Holy Spirit, and the disciples who walked and talked with him for three and a half years were trained one-on-one with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. If they need the Holy Spirit, you bet your bottom dollar, I need the Holy Spirit. So do you. 
We're not that good that we can get on with life without the Holy Spirit. I'm just not that good. You might be, but I'm not. So today I want to look at who the Holy Spirit is. There's virtually no Christian life without the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, Christianity is dry, monotonous and mundane. So if your life is dry, monotonous and mundane as a Christian, ask yourself, where is the Holy Spirit in my life? I've had times that I'm dry, so I'm not saying it's only you. I've had times I'm going, God, I just need an infill. I need something different. I've got to be intentional if I want to have a relationship with God. And I have my dry times. When I'm stressed, when I'm tired, when I've got a whole lot of things on my plate, the first thing that drops out is prayer and reading the Word because I have to do, I have to do, I have to do. If I want to see this do well, I have to move that aside and say, God, I'm going to put you first. Because he's proven time and time again when I put him first, all this other stuff just falls into line. Without the Holy Spirit, our labour is draining and wearisome. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no fellowship with God. You know, the word, the word, the Holy Spirit, in the King James, is mentioned over 200 times in the New Testament. He's important. He's mentioned uh, 85 times alone in the book of Acts, and by far more in Acts than any other book in the Bible. Looking through the book of Acts, and time and time again we see references to the Holy Spirit. And I've just put a few up here on the screen. How is it that you've agreed together to lie to the Holy Spirit? We are his witnesses to these things and so is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. You always resist the Holy Spirit. The Spirit told, him, told me to go with them. One of them showed by the Spirit there was going to be a great famine. Being sent out by the Holy Spirit first seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And they were forbidden by, sorry, forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And as I read these scriptures, I could see that the Holy Spirit was a part of their everyday life. And I got to thinking, how often do we refer to the Holy Spirit today? He was busy in the book of Acts, but he's quite likely one of the most forgotten people today. We have to be intentional about the Holy Spirit. We have to remember who he is. Think back to how often you use him in conversation. So often we, we pray to the Father, we ask Jesus for guidance and direction, but the Holy Spirit just seems to sit out there and we don't always do. We, we want more of him, we want the power that flows through him, but we don't really understand him. When I see how Jesus walked and he understood he was anointed with the Holy Spirit, he walked and talked with the Holy Spirit, the apostles referred to the Holy Spirit regularly, I think I fall short in a lot of ways, for how I need to connect with the Holy Spirit. I don't want to see the Holy Spirit become taboo to this generation. There's so many things that are just pushed out. Our kids, our grandkids, us as adults, our parents, grandparents, you fit in there somewhere. You need to live with the Holy Spirit as part of your life. And you need to teach the Holy Spirit to other generations. If our generations in church are, are missing, the generation above them haven't actually done their job to train them. 
So we need to look right across the board. What's my part in this? Holy Spirit, how are you going to use me in this? Lead me and guide me today. I want the Holy Spirit to be a normal part of my life. Healing should be normal. God's provision should be normal. The miraculous should be normal. Hearing God's voice throughout the day should be normal. Walking with the Holy Spirit's anointing on my life every day should be normal. And so often we look and go, oh, those kooky Christians. I don't want to be like those nut jobs. I want to be real. Well, be real. Get to know the Holy Spirit and be real. Because he will speak to you. He will tell you, tell this person this. Tell them how much I love them. Tell them I don't care that their dad sexually abused them. I want to be their dad in their place. And when those sort of things happen, you speak into someone's life, they look at you really strange. How did you know that? God just told me. And we don't have to be weird about it, but we need to inject life into them. Because God wants us to make disciples. Unfortunately, too often, we try and understand the power and the work of the Holy Spirit without getting to know him as a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. And some of the references in the Bible, the way he's referred to, we get a bit of a lack of understanding of who he is. We don't always see him as a person. He's often referred to as an influence, a divine mystical power, a bird, a fire, water. And we don't always understand the Holy Spirit because of these images that are put in there. And so often I was looking for some, uh, just I was doing some of this study, looking through some pictures, and you look at some of the religious things. When, it, when you do a Google search on the Holy Spirit, you get pictures of birds. There is no reference in the Bible that says the Holy Spirit is a bird. It says when Jesus was baptised, the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove. Have you ever seen a dove land? It's gentle. Who's ever heard the phrase, he's strong as an ox? Who's ever been called strong as an ox? Are people saying you're a stinky four-footed beast that actually probably should be out in the wilderness? No, they're just saying you're strong as an ox. An ox is strong, you are strong. That's the comparison. When the, when the Bible says Jesus was led like a lamb to the slaughter, he's not this cute little woolly thing that you will eat for a roast one Sunday night. He was led like a lamb, gentle. He followed in there, he just went in there knowing this is what I have to do. When the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus like a dove, he didn't come on him as a bird. He came on him and the Bible says that he superimposed himself over Jesus. In Acts 1.8 you will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That word upon means to superimpose. He comes on you. So when you do things, the Holy Spirit is there with you. So Robin just stands up for a minute. I can pray for Fred on my own. If I've got the Holy Spirit with me, if I'm praying for Fred, I don't want the Holy Spirit over there. Because when the Holy Spirit is upon me, the Holy Spirit prays with me. <laughs> You're a bad Holy Spirit. <laughs> Jesus walked and talked the Holy Spirit was with him and if we see him as a person understand the same thing just stand up again Rob 
As Jesus ministers, the Holy Spirit comes with him. So when... So... So when he's talking to people, the Holy Spirit is talking through him. The power, the life, the anointing that's on Jesus comes from the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus prays, the Holy Spirit prays. If Jesus, the Son of God, needed the Holy Spirit, so do you. As he continues on, the Holy Spirit ministers life with him. The Holy Spirit ministers life with you. Wherever you go, the Holy Spirit goes. Come on, dear, we're going to a brothel. You get, you get the idea? Wherever I go, the Holy Spirit goes. Whatever I watch, the Holy Spirit watches. Whatever I speak, the Holy Spirit speaks. You're going to start telling dirty jokes? You're making the Holy Spirit tell a dirty joke with you. You want to watch a dirty movie? The Holy Spirit's going to watch that dirty movie with you. Thank you. You get the idea. The Holy Spirit is a person with you. See that when you pray with someone, know that you're not doing this on your own. The Holy Spirit's praying with you. He's the third person of the Trinity. The Bible says that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was on the scene on the day of creation. Tell him I'm busy. The Holy Spirit was on the scene at the day of creation. The Bible says that he hovered above the waters. When God created the world, the Holy Spirit was there. He was the first member of the Godhead mentioned or to appear in the Bible. Because when God made heaven and earth, that's God plural, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is the first individual referred to in Genesis 1-2. He is here today. And we we find it easy to see God as a father because we understand the concept of a father. Even if you've had a bad father, you understand what a father should be. Or at least we hope you do. God is the perfect father. We understand the role of a father and we can model him on that. We understand Jesus as the son because he came as a man. He lived on earth. We saw him. We can easily understand that. But the Holy Spirit, it's a bit harder to comprehend that. We need to see him as a person. He has a mind. He has a will. He has emotions such as love and joy. He comforts. He speaks. He speaks clearly. He teaches. He can be made to feel sorrow. He can be insulted. He can be resisted. He can be lied to. I find it easier to see him as a person than as something floating around the room. He is everywhere. And I can't try and put him into this little box of my tiny human pea brain that tries to understand things. Because I can't comprehend the greatness of God. But if I see him as a person, it makes it easy for me to know that when I'm praying, the Holy Spirit's there with me. But if we look at that scripture, he comes upon me that I'm actually in him. It's a bit like I'm just bathed in oil. As I, as I lay hands on someone, I impart some of that oil onto them because you can't be oily and touch something and not leave something behind. The Holy Spirit, when he comes on you, he can minister through you. Now, 
When Jesus ascended into heaven, he said in John 14, 6, I will pray and the Father will send you another helper. And there are two Greek words there that can be translated into uh, in, in helper in, in English, or two, two words that we have in English that have been translated from the word helper. The two Greek words there are heteros and alos. Heteros means another of a different sort, and alos means another of the same kind. So if I give you an apple and then you eat that and you say, that was really nice, would you like another piece of fruit? Sure. And I give you a banana, that's heteros. It's another of a different kind. But if I give you another apple, that's another of the same kind. So when Jesus went to heaven, he said, I'm not just going to send you someone else. I'm going to send you another one of me. I'm going to send you another God. So when he ascended and went to heaven, he didn't just go to heaven and leave it there. He replaced himself with the Holy Spirit so that he can work in and through you, so that you can be effective. And keep in mind, Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit. So the same anointing on him, he's now given to you. So you can be effective in ministry throughout the world. We often use the phrase, ask Jesus into your heart. That's an insult to the Holy Spirit, if you want to be really blunt, because Jesus ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of God. The angel said he will come back to earth the same way he left. Has he come back yet? We're waiting for the second return. So we can't pray, Jesus, come into my heart. The Holy Spirit lives in us. Jesus comes in us through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is that reference point, and I hope I'm explaining that right. I'm not belittling Jesus. I'm not saying you don't need him. All three of them are active in your life. But the Holy Spirit is the power that you've been given here on earth, and we need to understand that. We need to walk with the Holy Spirit day in, day out. We can worship God freely with everything that he gives us. So when we pray, we say, Jesus... I need you to do a miracle in my life. Jesus goes, "Uh, I've given you the Holy Spirit. He's already there. The miracle you need is there. He's walking right beside you. So when you pray, he hears you because he's right beside you. Amen? Again in Acts 10.38, Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The same Spirit that was available to Jesus is available to us. The Spirit of God that was on him is in me. The anointing that's on him that caused him to do all those miracles, that same anointing is on my life. That same power that I need, the spiritual miraculous breakthrough power is in my own life already. We need to see the Holy Spirit as something more than a ghost or something unknown. We can know, worship, depend on, have a relationship with the Holy Spirit no matter where you are in the world. And I got to thinking, when we first came to Tasmania, when we visited, we came I think three or four times to visit Frank when he'd already moved down, people welcomed us with open arms. We came along, we had conversation, it was really easy to talk to people. The day we moved down, it was like, well, you're here now. And we felt we actually had to do the breaking into the groups. But what I've discovered is there's two ways we can engage when we go somewhere. I can sit back and I say, well, I'm the visitor, it's your job to talk to me. I'm the newcomer, you have to make me feel welcome. 
Well, if you're going to sit there with a sour look on your face, people probably won't want to talk to you. Or you can turn around and say, I want to know you more because relationship is important to me. I want to connect in. I want to build community because if I'm coming here and this is my church, community is my responsibility. I can't wait for others. The Holy Spirit does exactly the same. He's not going to break in and say, hey, how are you going? Let's go out for coffee. Let's, let's do this. Because your relationship with him is so important, he's waiting for you to come and connect with him. You need to make the move to build relationship with the Holy Spirit. He's available. Acts 1.8 says you will receive power. That word receive means take on. You have to actively take on the Holy Spirit in your life if you want to grow, if you want to be effective. So the key for us is to spend time in the secret place with God. We're worshipping this morning. We're singing songs of praise and adoration to God. But it's got to go beyond a Sunday service. It's got to be your life back home. It's got to be your private time with God. Whether you're in the car, whether you're at work, whether you're wherever, it's God, I want to know you more. Holy Spirit, thanks for another day. Thanks for walking with me today. I thank you that you speak to me. I thank you that you empower me. I thank you that you are right here. That whatever I do, you're doing this with me. I need to spend that time with God in the secret place because it's in the secret place that my heart is revealed to God. See, I can live a Christian life in front of everybody, but if I'm not prepared to have that one-on-one time with God, he's going to say, well, actually, I really do know the condition of your heart. You want to walk in power? Well, start spending time with me. It's in the secret place that God gets to know us. We need to be intentional about developing that and starting, start off by growing a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I know I've often, growing up in life, I've seen the Holy Spirit as, as this power, this thing. Once I started looking saying, you're actually a person with me, bigger than my understanding, but you empower me. It helps me and my walk with God know that there's something greater. I don't do this on my own. So often we go, I just feel so alone. You don't have to be because the Holy Spirit's there with you all the time. But that privacy with God is important. And before Jesus was arrested, we saw it on that, on that video, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He actually spent a lot of time in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's how Judas knew where to find him. It wasn't just a random place he went occasionally. It was a regular place. Gethsemane was actually an oil press found at the foot of the Mount of Olives. So you imagine these olive trees all over this mountain. They have to press the oil somewhere. That was what Gethsemane was. Jesus spent a lot of time in the oil press. I was looking at a video last night of how, olives, uh, how olive oil is made. And the olives are, are thrown into a vat. They're crushed. Pips and all. The whole lot is just crushed. They're then laid on these big flat trays stacked on top of it and compressed to the oil just starts running out. That's the old-fashioned way it was made. And when the oil comes out, they catch the oil and they bottle it. There's much more technical ways they do it all now. But it was called an oil press for a reason because they had to press the olives for that oil to be released out. Jesus spent time praying because in the Bible the oil represents the Holy Spirit. Jesus has that time one-on-one with him and says, I need this oil to flow. 
So start pressing me. Start putting your finger on things in my life. If there's something that doesn't please you, God, show me what it is. I don't want to be dry and distant from you. I want to walk with you day in, day out. I want the Holy Spirit to be real in me. I want to see that power in me. I want to lay hands on the sick and I want to see him recover. So for that, I need the oil to flow. That only happens in the oil press. How many people here have ever eaten or cooked with olive oil? Hand up nice and high. How many of you, keep your hand up, have ever been to an oil press? Not as many. And the reality is, most people won't see the time in the oil press. They just want the oil. But if you think of it from a a non-Christian point of view, if they're in desperate need and they need a miracle in their life and you come in, they don't care how you got the oil, they want the oil. But you're not going to get the oil unless you go to that oil press. Unless you get that time one-on-one with God and say, I need this oil to start flowing. God, start crushing me. Nicely, please. (laughs) It's a dangerous prayer. But when we ask God to change our life, he will change you. And the Bible says, I know the plans I have for you. They're plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So know that when God starts crushing you and the oil starts flowing, there's a reason behind it. There's something good behind it. But we have to get to that place where we desire the oil to flow. The world needs the freshness of the Holy Spirit, but most of them won't ever see the price you pay to get that oil flowing in your own life. But it won't flow unless you spend time in the oil press. Amen? Jesus spent a whole lot of time in Gethsemane. He moved powerfully under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. If we want to walk powerfully under the same anointing, we too have to spend time in the oil press. Don't worry about what God wants to do with your life or when he's going to release you into something great. Just spend time in the oil press. We can say, but I want, I want God to use me here. God's called me to the nations. When's he going to send me to the nations? Get in the oil press. But I've got a calling on my life. Get in the oil press. But God wants to do something with me. I've studied the word. I I have a calling. I'm, I'm released to do this stuff. Get in the oil press. I heard something interesting this week. Jesus was God when he was born. He was God when he was 12 years old. But he was called when he was 30. You have to go through that preparation time if you want to see God do something. The oil has to flow. We have to spend that time. We need to know that the more we spend time with the Holy Spirit, the more you spend time in the oil press, the more the oil is going to flow. People will never ever see the price you pay for that to happen. But if you want to walk the streets and hear the voice of God, you want to lay hands on the sick and see him recover, you want to take up deadly serpents and still live, you want to drink poison because somebody's trying to to wipe you out and you still want to live, you still want to minister for God, that will not happen unless you spend time in the oil press. Amen? Let's stand. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you walk with us every single day. I thank you that you're alive. 
I thank you that you're more than just some mystical power floating through the atmosphere, that you're real, that you're a part of the Godhead sent to empower us, to do life with us, to live with us, to train us, to walk with us day in and day out. I thank you that you are here. Lord, I pray for every person in this room that we have a fresh understanding of the person of the Holy Spirit, a fresh understanding of the need to spend time with you one-on-one, to be crushed, to let the oil flow. I just want to open up the front. If anybody wants to come forward and just get prayer for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, you just come forward. We're going to pray with you. And ask a few people to come up and pray if we need to. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but this is you saying, God, this year I'm going to be intentional about the oil press. This year I'm going to be intentional about walking with you. This year I want to be intentional and walk with the Holy Spirit in a greater way because I want to see the miraculous in my life. I want to see God give me wisdom when I need it. I want to see people healed when I pray for them. I want to see greater things, not for my own glory, but for the glory of the kingdom. Even from a business point, if you run your own business or you employ staff or you work with people, know that 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 anointing oil that flows through you can actually empower you to do business well as long as the oil is flowing. Because when the price has been paid for the oil to flow, things are different. If you're working under a boss the anointing oil can still flow through you in that place. If you've got hobbies, you go to the gym, you're at a sports centre or sailing boat, you're with other people, the anointing oil can still flow. We don't have to separate the anointing oil from our everyday life. Sunday isn't the only day that the Holy Spirit wants the oil to flow. The oil can even flow while you sleep at night. God can give you dreams, answers to questions. He can bring healing, refreshing and restoration even as you sleep. If you need a breakthrough in your own life, you need a a greater impartation of the Holy Spirit, I'm just going to ask you to come forward now. Don't go, oh, what's somebody else? The price has to be paid in your own heart. Don't worry about what other people think. This has got to be something you say from now on. Me and my house will serve the Lord. I don't care what somebody else does. I don't care how they... I want the oil to flow through my household. I want the oil to flow through my life. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here. We thank you that you are alive. We thank you for every person here that responds... Every person that says, hey, I want this year to be, to be my year. This year to be a year where I see breakthrough. Lord, we pray your blessing and your anointing upon every person here. I'm just going to ask Robin to walk. I'm just going to walk through quickly. I'm just going to anoint each of you quickly with oil. Know that it, just see it as an impartation of the Holy Spirit. Something physical if you need, but... As a church, I just want you to start praying, just start worshipping as the music's playing. Don't be passive, be active. I'm a Christian, the oil flows through me. There's people here responding, I'm going to impart life into them as well. Just start worshipping God as we pray. 
close praying anointing in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for, for your life. We thank you for the freedom that we have in you. Lord, I pray that as we walk out of this room today, that our lives will be different. I pray that as we walk out of this place today, there will be a desire growing within us to spend time. As we start seeing the oil flow, let there be an excitement that rises within us, oh God. I've seen time and time again where I've been able to reach out and pray with somebody uh, who's not a part of church. Just during the week, someone you don't know, someone we had someone last week turn up at church just to be able to pray with them and see the, see the anointing of God in their life. It does something in you. It excites you. Know that as you step out of your comfort zone and you allow that oil to flow, you're going to start getting excited about the things of God. Father, I thank you that this year, that you are a part of our year that we can intentionally go out and make disciples, that we can intentionally go out and make a difference in this community, that it goes beyond just the two hours we have on a Sunday, it goes beyond just our families at home, it goes into our workplace, into our clubs, into our social life, into our shopping time. I just declare breakthrough in every person here, an increase in the anointing of the Holy Spirit here, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. Bless your name. Bless your name.
I'm just going to close it there. Just As the music's playing, if you want to just sit here, just enjoy the presence of God. I just feel like there's a fairly strong anointing here. We're just going to stay up here for a bit longer. If, if you want to leave, feel free. If you want to go and have a coffee, just go out quietly. and Just let people here just stay in the presence of God. If you want to stay in your seats, feel free. Just let that oil flow. Lord, we just want to bless you and thank you and worship you and praise you. For you are a good God. Lord, we commit this day into your hands. We commit this week into your hands. We commit our lives into your hands. Be exalted, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.